Hello, this is Notes from the Back Row, a podcast like no other, different themes, rotating hosts, and so much more. So strap in for a veritable cinematic Coney Island of the mind. Welcome to another episode of Notes from the Back Row, a podcast like no other where you will find lots of different types of episodes in your feed. You'll find interviews, you will find roundtable discussions, and very often you will find an episode of Hoser Horror. This is the podcast where Carlo and I talk about two Canadian films of varying uh, thematic (laughs) relevance, but... Generally, they have something to do with one another and their horror films. Um, before we get into our episode today, just a reminder, go to backdashrow.com for all the written content and other podcast episodes. And from there, you can also get to our Patreon account where you get exclusive episodes every month, as well as early access to all of our podcast episodes. So, as always, I'm Dan and I'm here with... Carlo. Carlo. And we're going to be talking about two, count them, two Canadian horror horror movies today. But before we get to that, Carlo wanted to talk about another movie. Yeah, okay. So I know we're hoes of horror and we're supposed to talk about horror movies. And (laughs) I'm not going to talk about a horror movie for a little bit, but, you know, this is not the main segment. Mm -hmm. But I figure, like, more than necessarily being about horror... We also just like to highlight oddities and yeah. obscure gems, weird, weird especially things. when they're Canadian. Yeah, in this case, uh, so the hoser part that rings true. So yeah, I watched a movie today. I don't know how I came across. Oh yeah, I, I do know how I uh, know how I came across this movie. Uh, I was checking out all the movies Michael Ironside has done okay which is a shitload because <laughs> <laughs> i was wondering when i saw this pop up on letterboxd i was like where did where did that come up on his <laughs> yeah yeah i know right um yeah just checking michael michael ironside movies um like probably way down the bottom was one called destiny to order from 1990 and i don't know it just had a cover that spoke to me got a great cover yeah yeah like um i don't know it's 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 very 90s but also 80s still with like an old pc computer that has a guy sitting behind the typewriter computer thing yeah behind the computer and there's all kinds of crazy shit coming out of it but yeah that looked just really good to me and then (laughs) i found a copy that was probably came from amazon prime i'm sure but yeah this this is just a really really obscure movie on letterboxd it has 21 views only i'm not sure if this information is correct or not but either he hasn't properly updated it but even paul hasn't seen this movie Mm. and it's an obscure canadian one so i'm I'm calling you out paul (laughs) (laughs) i got here first unless the information's wrong but (laughs) but yeah i think this movie was available on american amazon because i looked it up before 
I don't think you can stream it now, but it said something about like not being able available at this point, but the page is there and the version I watched was definitely an Amazon rip. But then I checked Canadian Amazon. There wasn't even a page for this movie, which is really weird because this is a <laughs> very, very Canadian movie. It's it's more than even being a Canadian movie. It's a very, very Toronto movie. Oh, nice. Yeah, there's like, they name drop basically all the major streets. Like they talk about King Street, uh, Queen Street, uh, Strom, Dundas, you name <laughs> it. Uh, we've got a shot of Cientar, obviously. Yeah. And all that. It's very overtly Torontian. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, at this point, I don't know how you would be able to even come across this movie, like, other than, you know, being resourceful on the internet, yeah. I guess. Um, like, honestly, if I could buy this movie, I would. Like, <laughs> no, no question about it. I, I, I was pretty into this movie. Like, it might work even better because it's such an obscurity. Okay. But yeah, someone out there, make it possible for me to give you money for this movie and I'll definitely <laughs> buy it. But yeah, this movie just reminded me of Crime Wave as well because it has this, like, oddball, auteurist Canadian vibe to it that mm. not a lot of other movies have. In my review, I kind of compared it to Toonstruck. Um, have you ever played Toonstruck? I, when I was younger, I played maybe a demo of it or just oh, the first okay. level or two, but yeah, never like played it all the way through. Okay, yeah, so that's the Christopher Lloyd 90s. It's sort of like the Who Framed Roger Rabbit concept of a real guy ending up in Toontown. So I guess it's kind of the opposite of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but yeah. it's like with Christopher Lloyd, he's in the game as himself playing uh, this cartoonist guy who ends up in his own created fictional world and he has to save the world and everything. Yeah. And this movie does the same thing. It's about a novelist. He's working on his manuscript and he ends up in his own fictional world, which is kind of like this pulpy detective novel thing. But yeah, it, it doesn't really have very strict rules in terms of what can happen like basically whatever gets put in the novel sort of alters reality mm. and alters the way characters are like the main guy he goes through like different variations of himself like there's a part in this movie where he's suddenly a woman okay so the main bad guy in this movie is played by michael ironside yeah like of course you get michael ironside to play the bad guy and also i'm like of course Michael Ironside is in this obscure Canadian movie. Like, he's in fucking every Canadian movie of this era, I feel, sometimes. But other than them, than him, there's, like, not really any names. Like, the main guy's played by a guy called um, Stephen We Met, but never heard of this guy. And even if you go to his letterbox, like, the, his top movie, he has, like, five or six movies on letterbox listed. The, his top movie is this one. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And like I said, this movie has 21 views yeah. on letterbox, so, you know. But yeah, anyway, so Michael Ironside plays the bad guy and they're in his lair, sort of, I guess, because he's like the leader of a biker gang and he's he's stolen the disc that has the uh, manuscript on it. So he's changing the rules of this world and changing the characters. I don't really remember why he's doing all of this stuff, but there's sort of like a confrontation between these two characters as the main novelist character guy is in as a woman basically okay and he starts breaking out into rap <laughs> so i don't know this is such such a tonally odd thing like there's actually actually there's like several rap elements in this pretty white 
1990 movie about a novelist <laughs> guy. <laughs> so I think the director, Jim Purdy, like he, he probably just really liked rap because even the opening credits, they feel like you're about to watch like, I don't know, House Party or something, <laughs> which is very, very strange. There, I was Googling and there is another trailer. I mean, sorry, another poster as well on uh, yeah, yeah, IMDb that has yeah. like a, a sort of 90s kind of like hip yeah, yeah, poster yeah. art. Yeah, yeah. I think there's even there's a Japanese poster for this movie. I'm pretty sure you can see that on IMDb. Just the fact that this was released in Japan is, yeah. is well, they like weird stuff, but it's it's called Trap Game <laughs> with the, with the subtitle Destiny to Order. I'm looking at it with like the time warp style. Yeah, 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 exactly. It looks yeah. really cool. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> looks looks pretty neat. Yeah, but yeah, I just felt I had to mention this because of the Canadian content and no one is talking about this movie because yeah. it's probably very hard to get. And I think it, it, before I put down my review, which ended up being way longer than I'm used to doing him, <laughs> there's like, I don't know, like three or four reviews of this movie. But yeah, I don't know. If you can find it, definitely check it out because it's 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 an oddity. And if you're anything like us, you're looking for that kind of thing. And for a two-hour movie to get a recommendation from Carlo. It's not a two-hour movie, though. No? Why no, is it listed that, as it's two wrong. hours? It's wrong. I don't know. Like, <laughs> maybe there's a two-hour version out there, but I find that really hard to believe. But, yeah, it, it does say, like, 120 minutes That's on the letterbox page and on the IMDb page, which is even stranger because IMDb is usually correct with these things. But no, it's a 93-minute movie. <laughs> Phew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, I'm not opposed to two-hour movies, but it, it, this, this is not a two-hour movie, unless that version is out there somewhere. But I, I, I really doubt that. Yeah. Well, I immediately acquired this film so I can watch it because I, I saw that cover and was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was seeing some screenshots as well uh, before I grabbed a copy of the movie. I'm like, oh, this looks pretty good, actually. Yeah. And, and there's a screenshot of, like, Michael Ironside holding up a floppy disk that I, <laughs> I, changed, I changed probably like, on my Facebook avatar to that. You got uh, it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to know what you think of this movie. And, and I hope I haven't hyped it up too much. Like, it's 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 not yeah. perfect. It's not a perfect movie, but first of all, who needs perfect movies? Just the fact that it exists delighted me. Like yeah. finding this thing so deep down the barrel of I don't <laughs> know weirdo Canadian movies that you didn't know existed. It's it, it it both fills me with glee, but also makes me anxious. Like what else am I missing out on if this exists? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the life of a letterboxed uh, barrel scraper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Never yeah. ends. Mm. <laughs> and that was called destiny to order destiny or, to order or trap game. If you're in Japan, but I doubt any people from Japan are listening, but <laughs> Never know. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, from Destiny to Order, let's get into our Hoser Horror pairing of the week. We have paired up two movies that play with reality in different ways. They are both kind of, is this happening? Is it not happening? Sort of movies where we will be jumping from reality to dreamlike segments back and forth the first of which we will talk about is from 1985 and is called eternal evil you make movies a long time ago i make commercials now 
Paul's life has become too routine. You know that when I did Wandering Soul, I started experimenting with astral projection. Some lunatic notion about traveling outside your body? Come on. Janice will change that forever. You will be able to control your destination. She helps make all of Paul's dreams come true. Nashville's Karen Black and Winston Record of Agnes of God star in Eternal Evil. Sometimes dreams can turn into a real nightmare. A.K.A. The Blue Man, starring Winston Record and Karen Black, amongst others, and directed by George Mihalka. This is the director of My Bloody Valentine. The synopsis of this film is these crimes will stain his soul. And the synopsis is a dissatisfied Montreal director of TV commercials is taught to astrally project himself by a mysterious woman. But soon he finds that he does it against his will when he sleeps. And when he does it, he commits savage acts against those in his life. This is a bit of a misleading tagline, which also will lead us down some of the background around this movie being misleading from the from the title moving on but it cost around 1.5 million dollars it was produced in association with global television which is a television network here so it was partially sort of made with the idea that it was going to end up on television which is partly why the movie is relatively bloodless uh, it was also filmed with the participation of Telefilm Canada and some other production companies. And it was distributed in the States theatrically, as well as on VHS, and filmed in Montreal, Quebec. So this is a bit of a lesser-known movie as well. It's about 200, 212 views on Letterboxd. It did recently-ish in the past few years play at Fantasia Film Festival, I believe is where it played, they found a 35 millimeter print and screened it. And I know that there, I, I read an interview with him, the director, George, and he had mentioned, you know, how he did a Q&A and stuff. So that's cool. And and George is coming off of My Bloody Valentine when he makes this movie. And uh, it looks like he had done one S thing Yeah, there's in something between. in between called Scandal. But I don't know if that's, is it, is it a, Porn? <laughs> it might be a porn. It is. It is X-rated on IMDb. Yeah, it might be like a nudie sort of Montreal, Quebec kind of movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, um, after that, it's uh, yeah, eternally evil. Yeah. So I pulled a bunch of stuff from an interview here around this movie. So when I watched this, you know, I had no expectations as well as knowing that what we were watching is, you know, basically all that exists to our ability to see this film is is very bad. Oh, like the only copy that there is. Basically. It's a very yeah, bad yeah. print. It's basically yeah, from yeah, v yeah. It's, VHS. It, it's, it's not pretty, pretty looking. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that it doesn't do the movie any favors. <laughs> no, really doesn't. And the, the kind of gist of this movie is a television director you know we find that he had made this documentary with these two older folks who claim that they use astral projection to basically become immortal by hopping from body to body so what they do is they use astral projection to ready somebody for their soul when they die and they do this by terrorizing them 
in many different ways, which doesn't really make sense, but didn't matter to me. But um, <laughs> and so we, the uh, the idea of the movie is he has been you know playing with this idea of astral projection. People around him start to die. And is he doing it? Is he not doing it? Or does it have something to do with these two sort of uh, souls? Yeah, this this sounds like an interesting movie. I'd like to see it. <laughs> and I I liked this movie. I thought that stuff was really interesting. And it doesn't get there the whole way. But I thought that there was a lot going on here that I really liked. And I felt like the astral projection scenes are really neat. And George and his cinematographer, Paul Van Der Linden, they really shoot some really neat and interesting cinematography to this movie. And I have to also mention one of the camera operators was Christian Duguay of Scanners 2, 3 and Livewire. Oh, I love the Scanner sequel. Yeah. So like, I mean, they in the interview that I read with him, they were talking about how um, they had friends who were in Cirque du Soleil a few years prior and they borrowed a bunch of the like rigs. So the scenes where the cameras like hanging over people and going downstairs and stuff were done by all these rigs that they had taken from Cirque du Soleil and they were like roping and pulling, you know, Christian around on these ropes and dragging Jesus. him and spinning him around. And that stuff to me, I, I thought it was really, really cool and fun. Mm. Um, but you know, it is a shabby movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> I couldn't really get over it in the way that you could. So at, mm -hmm. at one point, I was just like severely checked out, I have to admit. I think that point was like after five minutes when the adult baby shows up, I was like, nope. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was so funny. There's these commercials that the director yeah. is doing and and um there's like a commercial for some baby formula or something yeah, and it, something like that baby beer basically yeah and this big guy <laughs> is in like a diaper and he's like i'm mad and if if i had had the right formula i wouldn't be like this or something um which yeah. is funny because george himself had done some work in Adult in, babies? In adult babies. <laughs> <laughs> in in commercial production. So part of what he says drew him to the movie was that he was going to be able to do those kinds of like silly, spoofy um, commercial moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they also used this thing in this film called a Luma Crane, which is like a 35 foot long crane that has a base that can roll around. But then it also has like a head on the top of it that you can rotate 360. Oh, so yeah. that's, I think, how they get some of those, like, in the opening, there's a bunch of spinning around shots in the sky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so this is definitely more of a mystery, supernatural kind of thing. You know, there's not a lot of murders. No, no, that, that's true. Like, I do like astral projection type plots, but yeah, I'm having a hard time just remembering anything about this movie, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I do remember, like, you mentioned before, like, the, the, the Blue Man title. Where did that yes. come from? Or was that ever released as the blue man i'm not sure if it was ever released as the blue man but i do know that he was uh, george was really upset that the movie wasn't called that because oh he wanted it to be called the blue man yeah oh 
Okay. It's it's less generic, I guess. Like, you're mm-hmm. probably going to remember a movie called The Blue Man, and Eternal Evil is, I mean, that could be anything, really. Yeah, I think maybe George leans in a little bit too hard on, like, basically saying everybody hates, not everybody hates the movie, but, like, it was not received because of the name. He basically says... No, that's a bit cheap. <laughs> yeah, he, he basically says Eternal Evil, you know... I mean, I've watched a movie called Eternal Evil, so I don't really <laughs> yeah. care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a bit more generic sounding, but whatever. I mean, Karen Black's in it, it has a cool poster. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. He said <laughs> it was like calling caviar a hot dog, um, which okay. is funny. Uh, so he's, he's basically saying this movie is caviar. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, buddy. <laughs> which some may debate. <laughs> yeah. The American distributors didn't want... Uh, according to what he was saying, this idea of it being something that might not pull people in and they th- decided to call it Eternal Evil, which, you know, doesn't really represent what the movie's about. It kind of does, but... Mm, yeah, I mean, if you're going for that horror crowd, Eternal Evil is a better choice. And I guess people in 1985 are just, they want to watch horror movies uh, mm-hmm. and eat shelf fillers. And, and wait, was this released theatrically? Yeah, and it said theatrically in the U.S. on oh, yeah, IMDb. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. But I believe it went to global at some point on television here. Mm. Yeah, he said, like, oh, people wanting to see an exploitation film called Eternal Evil would be disappointed because you're thinking you're going to see something with vampires or gothic. Yeah, and, I'm, su- you know. I'm sure there's people like that or there were people like that who came in expecting, I don't know, like Evil Dead and, and, yeah. <laughs> and got this weird Blue Man movie. But yeah, I mean, at this point, it's 2020 and you're watching, trying to discover old horror movies, like who cares <laughs> what kind of movie is along as long as it's entertaining and has like i don't know things that resonate with you it's, it's it can it can be anything i mean wasn't the case for me and, and, and for this movie but yeah. it was for you so that's yeah totally i enjoyed the idea of this sort of not a murder mystery but there's this idea of they're gonna ready the kid to take over the body and it turns out that Karen Black is actually the like guy trying to get out of the body into into the kid's body, the guy from the documentary that they made. So there is some stuff in that interview where they were kind of leaning into the idea of this movie being a bit of like a sort of like it has something to do with like gender fluidity, like you're you're a man, you're a woman or maybe you're both or, you know, whether he this guy is in a woman's body and does he want to be there or not Mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff, which I thought was interesting, but also felt like I don't think that's. That didn't seem like what that was on the movie's mind. Yeah, it's it's probably not something that was like really developed enough as well. But yeah, I do like the concept of like body hopping stuff as well. So yeah, and I enjoyed the idea of like who you know is that going to happen? Are they going to get the mm-hmm. kid? And I mean, it's it's silly in the way that like they they talk about oh you know when you need to ready a body for your soul to get into it you have to like terrorize them and remove them from everyone they love and and one of the things they do to the boy is like make him drink bleach Bleach, yeah yeah, and i'm thinking like (laughs) well if you're gonna be in that body you don't want it to be like bleed dead from drinking bleach (laughs) i mean that that might be good for corona but it's it's, it's not (laughs) gonna help you with that stuff (laughs) yeah so like it's a silly movie um but yeah i felt like I it, I want to see this movie released in a better copy because I'd like to see the the technical stuff in a better presentation. Apparently, when it came out, the 
the the cinematography was really well received it got some award in france he said it won the prix du public at the Avoriaz in France, which at the time was the premier genre horror film festival, which is interesting. Yeah, I it's not it's not an amazing movie. It's very shabby. It's very dry. But I was charmed by it. Yeah, I will say <laughs> one funny thing. I was trying to look up some information about this movie, and I always go to IMDb. And um, what you sometimes have to do on IMDb is check the external links page. Like, there's some interesting stuff that pops up there, and. I think it was there that I found out that apparently there's an IMDb for cars. Did, <laughs> did, did you know about this? No. So it's not just about cars. It's called IMCDB, okay. Internet Movie Car Database. And, <laughs> and what it is, it's basically a collection of information about cars that appeared in movies. Okay. And there's like, for example, there's a page for Eternal Evil on IMCDB with screenshots of cars. Oh, I'm looking at it. In this movie, and it has like star ratings and stuff. And that's amazing. Yeah, that's so specific. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and the star ratings are so funny. So if it, it it gets one star if it's a background vehicle, mm -hmm. two stars a minor action vehicle are only used at one scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it if it so wasn't funny. featured it's like enough it's less important yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah i really like this yeah yeah right <laughs> so that's yeah. my favorite thing about eternal evil <laughs> that's so funny yeah <laughs> i know we mentioned karen black is in this but we didn't say much about about her but i i thought that she was giving a fun performance she's always great really yeah great. totally and this movie doesn't you know go out of its way to say they're in canada but it features a lot of Canada, like it features a lot of cool location footage. I know that in the interview I read with George, he was mentioning like we weren't trying to hide it, but we also weren't, you know, saying where we were specifically because we didn't think that mattered. Feels Canadian, but not in a way that, you know, is beating you over the head with mm -hmm. it. Like, oh, I'm in Toronto or whatever. Yeah, it's not showing off like, yeah, just could be anywhere. It's totally whatever. for me. I would say if you like weird oddities, you know, give it a whirl. But yeah, be be ready for a slower movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely don't go in expecting Eternal Evil. Yeah. No. <laughs> and and even the was there a blue man in this movie? Like, I mean, I mean, the kid at one the point. The kid, he's, yeah. He, yeah, he's like drawing the blue man. And, yeah, and, it's and basically stuff, about but... the, you know, the idea that this guy is coming for his body, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Not blue enough for me. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm from Belgium. Like, we've got Smurfs and shit, so step up your blue man game. I know. What's with Canada and, and you know, blue man, not very, not very much blue man. Blue monkey, no blue monkeys. Yeah, yeah. That's, I don't know. <laughs> something there, but... <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to it before the show is over. Yeah, exactly. Okay, then from eternal evil aka blue man to another film this one of dubious release date deadline thorn emi presents the ultimate in spine chilling entertainment his obsession was to create the ultimate horror story deadline his curse was to live it deadline a film so frightening it will totally devastate you deadline do not watch it alone this was shot in 1979, and then other dates have it as 81, and then a few other places have it even later. But the Vinegar Syndrome 
release dates it at 81. So Deadline, directed by Mario Azopardi. This stars Stephen Young, Sharon Masters, among many others. The synopsis is a horror film about a screenwriter who loses the ability to distinguish between his fantasy world and the real world with disastrous consequences. Tagline, his obsession was to create the ultimate horror story. His curse was to live it. Um, estimated budget about 850000 Canadian dollars. Produced by Horror Picture Films in uh, with the participation of Canadian Film Development Corporation. This was distributed theatrically. Uh, it says here actually in 84 by Pan-Canadian Film Distributors and was also on uh, home video around that time as well. And this was filmed in Toronto, Ontario in November and December of 1979. Yeah, the gist of this movie is there's this guy whose family life is crumbling, potentially on the road to a divorce on the horizon. Not a very good dad, not a very good husband. Yeah, yeah, some uh, parallels with the other movie. Like, it's about a dad who's yeah. not really into being a dad. And wasn't the guy in, um, what's it called, Blue Man? Yeah, Eternal Evil. Eternal Evil. Wasn't he also like into making movies as well? Yeah, he was a TV yeah. fil a filmmaker making TV commercials. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. And you've also got like the distorted reality yeah. aspect to it. But you weren't aware of these parallels when you suggested this pairing. I knew that the one movie had a guy who was doing astral projections and is he killing someone or is he not? And I knew that Deadline was like a guy can't tell between reality. Okay, okay. So I knew so, that there was like a mm, generalized yeah. parallel. Yeah, but there's more. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure these are both Canadian horror movies. Debatable, debatable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's writing this book and he's known for horror books. He, you know, kind of almost like a Canadian Stephen King. He's having this sort of issue that reminded me of the movie House where, you know, people want more, more, more horror and he wants to break away from that a little bit. So the movie alternates between his family drama and these these random scenes of, of horrific horror and violence that he's dreaming up. You know, the synopsis says he can't tell the difference between reality and his fantasy world. That's not really the movie. Mm. There's a there, it gets to a culmination of of him sort of blending the two. But it, it's never really about like. I can't figure out what's going on. It's more, here's my life. It's fucked up and I'm a bad person. And, you know, my wife is also to some degree, uh, we, we are not supposed to be together. We're, we're, we're not right for each other. And yeah, they're fucked up. Yeah. Our lives are in disarray and our children are being affected. Then all of a sudden you'll just get cut to like a woman in a, in a blood shower. <laughs> Yeah, it it's also wasn't he like a teacher as well or something? He, well, he yeah, there was a scene where he goes to a school and is being given an award, and then the audience starts to turn on him and say like, "You're disgusting. What you represent is disgusting." So the movie's very much trying to be like about like, is horror bad? Yeah, exactly, Does it have influence exactly, on yeah. people? Do people like it? Is it is it a reflection of reality? It, so it's like playing with really like heady things yeah it is playing with that like i'm not sure if it's like entirely successful in that but i did appreciate that it was at least trying to do something with that yeah but yeah i don't know i just thought it was weird like it's about this scholarly guy who's basically making backyard sov schlock about 
I don't know, black goats. <laughs> and he also has a kid called Philip. So I'm like, isn't this what the witch is about? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've heard people talk about a, a, a goat called Black Philip. I haven't seen the witch yet, but... Yeah, I've seen some people say that about this movie. Like, it's Black Philip. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm not that original. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sorry. <laughs> but it is, it, it, it does make sense that it, that would bring that to mind. Because, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah just a coincidence i guess but yeah who know maybe director of the witch saw this movie and yeah maybe who knows it's like really obscure not but yeah yeah anyway that scene at the school as well like this guy he's getting backlash from people way younger than him it's like kids who, who you think are supposed to be more hip to horror but they're yeah. like really not cool with what he's doing and he's he's just like this i don't know he just seems like this decent guy who basically wants to transition out of making schlocky horror movies and he wants to you know he wants to fuck with that art house shit <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> but yeah i guess he's more like a wes craven type teacher wes craven was a teacher too before he became a director yeah so you know teachers can be weirdos too yeah and i think it plays into as a party's um his history before he came to Canada, he worked in theater and he had like a, a play that was banned and was kind of marred in controversy. And that was before he came to Toronto and then, you know, ended up making this film. I heard that between this movie sort of coming off the ground and then actually getting released, like, you know, the tax shelter sort of collapsed and may have been some some post-production issues around this film. I, I do know that on the Blu-ray, there is an interview with the producer Henry Less, and uh, apparently him and, and as a party did not get along and didn't see eye to eye, and I think they just ended up selling the movie to distributors after it premiered at cons and and we're just like, ah, I'm out of here. Okay, okay. It, and that leads me to kind of question, like, so I also found this image from a book it's a sort of like source at the end of a book on Google Books where okay. it sources an interview with him where he states his intention to downplay the film's grotesque aspects and to highlight the true horrors and atrocities of marriage breakdown, family disintegration and career crisis. I think on the Canuxploitation review, they kind of say like, oh, I wonder if these scenes of horror were all added later. I don't know if that's the case, but I do wonder, like, what is the movie trying to say? Because it seems like it's trying to say horror movies are bad. And if you if you are involved with them, you know, your family will will suffer. Yeah, I mean, this this movie, there was a lot that I thought about after I'd seen this movie, like during the movie, not necessarily. I was like, OK, I can sort of see what they're doing here. Yeah. I'm like, is this like reactionary? to the backlash against horror movies or is it saying it's actually justified and I, I couldn't really tell which way but you know what I can tell based on Azopardi as a, as a director it sort of felt at times like he was projecting himself onto the main character the director guy who who doesn't just want to make like schlock and wants to make something more meaningful yeah and I don't know with this movie like I really appreciate movies that work up towards nuance, but this sort of kept saying like nothing really. Like it was a lot of like middle ground, like mm -hmm. wasn't really taking a stance. And that doesn't really do you any favors in terms of like making a horror movie and having some conflict. So then you kind of have to rely on 
the fact that he's trying to make something i want to say stylish which doesn't entirely get there either or mm -hmm. like like i said the distortion of reality making something more meaningful i don't know it, it, it's it's conflicting yeah like i appreciate that this movie made me think things but i don't know how good or how successful it ends up being at whatever it was trying yeah, I I described this to you as like a nuts and gum together at last situation. And and also because it feels like it wants to have its cake and eat it too. Yeah, like it yeah, wants exactly. to be a movie that says like, does horror, you know, fuck people up? Like, do, does the public reaction to it? Like, is that right or wrong? Or And, and it's basically saying, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and then it's basically, or even by the end of the movie, again, like the family suffers a tragedy directly related to the children of him seeing the movie that he wrote and reenacting the movie basically. So it's, mm -hmm. it's it, 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 at that point it's starting to get into like, if I play mortal Kombat, am I going to punch my friend's head off? You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? Like yeah, it's yeah, starting yeah. to get into that area. No, no, of course <laughs> yeah. not. And it, yeah, and it doesn't like draw a line down on like what it wants to say, which mm. is, but, and, and, Ultimately, as I watched this movie, I was fine with that because, like, I enjoy really depressing kitchen sink dramas and I enjoy really, really ridiculous horror movie scenes. And so the movie that just shoves the two together, I was like, OK. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> what it was. Like, I also enjoy one of those things. Yeah. But I'm not really into the whole, like, 70s downer vibe. Like, you can definitely tell this was made in the late 70s, even though it's, like, listed as 84 everywhere. It just has that vibe. Like, it's, it, it's a little icky and uncomfortable and there's a lot of, like, earth tones and the furniture and everything even at the end when like this isn't a spoiler or anything but the guy just ha casually has a bunch of girls over to watch like uh, one of his homemade SOV tapes where <laughs> a bunch of hooded kids are murdering people and meanwhile, meanwhile they're, all, they're all like doing drugs and trying to get their socks off I'm like whoa this is really really icky vibe I don't know but yeah he, he, he feels pretty disturbed at the scene where he's ended up after the collapse of his family as well but yeah it was, uh, it's not the feel good movie of the year that's, uh, that's for sure and that's the scene where he's see he starts to see his daughter his daughter yeah, yeah, who has yeah. died in his movie and that's where that's where it gets into the like what's going on is this real or not kind of thing. Yeah. There's there's a lot of like scenes like that scattered throughout the movie like where I just wasn't sure like is this happening now in yeah. another place or is it just him losing his mind basically. Yeah, there's no delineation between the the things that we see that he's writing except for in maybe one or two scenes where like this you know, we see this horrific horror scene and then he like gets up from the typewriter. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, a couple yeah. of those, but there's also a lot of like he's he's just doing whatever and then all of a sudden the woman drowns in a bunch of blood and then he's back to like the kitchen table and we're like, "Oh, okay." It's one of the things like maybe it's just like daydreaming or it's it, it's not very explicitly said or anything or explained but that's that's fine um i did like the part where the, i think this is one of the first scenes where i wasn't sure like is this now happening for real or is it just happening in his mind where the kids are playing a game of tie grandma up on the bed and, and set murder. her on fire <laughs> while hail to the bus driver man plays in the background <laughs> <laughs> like holy shit this is a vibe yeah. man yeah that's it's harder to tell that than you know the scene where the canadian band rough trade with singer carol pope they're like playing a concert for a nazi 
and mm-hmm. he's like, I've come up with a machine that will make all this noise, like, be able to be used as crowd control and murder people. And so they bring a bunch of homeless people in, and then they play their song, and then the homeless people, like, crap their pants and blow up. And you're like, okay, I could, I could pretty much tell that this is probably one of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> so that's the kind of thing you're getting here. And I think it's really, it looks really great from Vinegar Syndrome. And Oh, yeah, yeah. It's always fantastic. And so I do feel like for a certain audience, this is something that you should probably see for yourself. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm, I'm surprised at, you know, for this movie, there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of people saying like, Let's get into figuring out what it's trying to say. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? That's that's the main takeaway I felt, making you think about what you just saw with this one. Totally. Which, you know, definitely gets my respect. Uh, it, it, it doesn't happen a lot. And, you know, there's so many nickel and dime slasher movies that don't have yeah. much to say, really. Um, but this is a bit different and, and therefore kind of cool. Yeah. Even, even if you know, like I said before, like the whole Darno seventies vibe, it's it's something I'm I'm never really gonna love. Yeah, that's but fair. I can I can acknowledge appreciation for for other things for sure. His 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 kids were fucking weird too. Oh yeah, and, and you know, kid actors, it's it's <laughs> always uh, a bit. I don't know. I'm. I'm I'm always a bit torn on that. I wonder if uh, you have a issue with this director and his kids, because you hated the kid in Nowhere to oh, Hide, yeah, right? Yeah, that was kind of I don't know. That was a weird kid. He, he kept <laughs> he kept fucking shit up. <laughs> like most of the conflict in that movie arises. But okay, not most of the conflict, but no Nowhere to Hide. The kid just makes a mess. Like <laughs> he, he gets people killed, and I was it just gave me sweaty palms. I was like, oh. <laughs> Goddamn kid, just leave him with his grandparents or something. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did, I, I did really like the. Um, so you've got the director guy and his buddy, I guess, the producer. I think his character's called Bert. Yeah, Bert. Because uh, he just reminded me of people like, you know, like Sam Arkoff, like a total scum peddler so director guy's all like uh i'm not writing crap anymore bert he says at one point and bert's all what else is there i'm like hey man <laughs> you gotta make the crap <laughs> it's it's essential and he's like i need pages of dynamite horrible stuff <laughs> yeah when he reads the stuff about the like people exploding after he listens to music he's like this is amazing yeah he's just <laughs> he's got half a chubby for sure yeah <laughs> that scene <laughs> he's also a big fan of toronto as well like there's the just like in the what was it, destiny to order and you've got the obligatory toronto shot of the Cientar. and meanwhile He's, he's praising Toronto for being a city so clean you can walk around at 2 a.m. at night and not get mugged. Yeah. And I was like, really? Was, <laughs> like, I mean, I've been to Toronto. It's very nice, but I, I'm not sure. Like, it's a big city, so I wouldn't actually have walked around with Michelle at 2 a.m. It's pretty safe. I think like it, like any city depends on where you are, but I think in general downtown pretty yeah, and yeah, I think that's maybe true. maybe at this point they're they're looking at a comparison with like New York City, you know what I mean in this in the late 70s like Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess New York is a bit a bit yeah. Yeah, I guess he has a point. Yeah, so it an interesting movie, really fascinating, well directed and yeah, I I liked it quite a bit. And and like we mentioned very unshamelessly Canadian it's just this is where we are we're talking about Toronto you know 
there's no hiding it and lots of really great uh, footage of Toronto. So that's Deadline and uh, Eternal Evil. AKA the Blue Man. The Blue Man. So for me, in terms of whether these movies get into the canon of Canadian horror movies that we made up and are not keeping track of. No, absolutely um, no. <laughs> I I gotta say no for both of them, even yeah. though they're they're both in some ways, you know, really, really up my alley and, and I would recommend people watch them to check them out and make your own decisions. But yeah, I think they just they squeak out a little bit for me. Yeah. I mean, if you have an interest in Canadian horror movies. You might as well watch these. I mean, it's what we're doing, basically. All right. Well, that's our episode of Hoser Horror. You can find me on Letterboxd and Twitter at YCKMD underscore. And you can find Carlo on the same places at Carlo Goes Boom. Bingo. And otherwise, I think at some point I'll come up with a way to sign off. But that day is not today. So goodbye. See you later, <laughs> alligator. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>